Okay, we are in Sefer Yirmiyahu, Perek Lamites, Pasuk Aleph, Bashana Hatishit, Litzipiyahu, Melech Yehuda. So we're going to see in Lamites the abbreviated synopsis of the destruction of Yerushalayim by Bavel. The siege, the breach, the burning, the exile. And what distinguishes Lamites, Yirmiyahu is no longer prophesying about these events. He is, if you'll excuse the vernacular, an on-the-spot reporter of those events. It's happening right now. Two, what we should point out, we pointed it out before, is that the pagination of these prakim, how you set up a parrot, had nothing to do with our rabbis, the Sanhedrin, the Anshei Knesset Hagdola. It is really the vagaries of um, New Testament theologians who did it arbitrarily, and it crept into the printing of the manuscript and perpetuated itself. And here is a perfect example. The last part of the Pasuk in the previous parrot, Lamed Ches, says, And thus, when Yerushalayim is conquered. But it really belongs to the next Pasuk. The first Pasuk in Lamed Ches, It's supposed to be together, a continuum, and it separates itself. And it's a glaring example of this, as we say, the vagaries of um, putting these prakim in sequence. When, but when Yirmiyahu wrote it, there were no prakim. Someone was going to separate it out, right? Probably, right. In other right, he didn't do, certainly didn't do prakim, no. It would be like one scroll, that's yeah. what it is. And what it did, what, what again perpetuated was that this, most of our Navi is printed in the printing presses of Venice in the 16th century. Jews were not allowed to own printing presses. And so it was in the hands of non-Jews, and that's how it perpetuated itself. Um, and often there's no rhyme or reason for it. There's no, you know, trying to accentuate one thing or to diminish the other. It's just stupid. You know, they just arbitrarily did it. So <clears throat> we begin. Lamites. In the uh, ninth year of Tzidkiah's reign, Tzidkiah will reign for 11 years, the 10th month, that is Teves, and we are told it is Asara B'Teves, the 10th day of Teves, Nebuchadnezzar, Melech Bavel, the Cholchelo, he comes with all his army, El Yerushalayim, Bayotsuru Aleho. So on the Asara Beteves, that's when the siege begins. That's one of the four Tanesim fast days that we observe, Asara Beteves. Now, continues, but Ashtayesre, in the 11th year of Tzikiyo, that will be the last year of his reign, in the fourth month, that would be Tammuz. In the ninth of Tammuz, the city is split, it is breached. We, however, do not observe the ninth of Tammuz, we observe Shivasapa Tammuz, the 17th. How did that happen? Say the Mephoshim, it was the ninth on the first temple. It was the 17th 
500 years later in the second temple, and that's what perpetually you took the last one first. So we observe Shivasa Pratamas. There is a um, rabbinical deo, uh advice that sometimes if you can fast both on uh, the 17th of Thomas and the uh, 9th of Thomas, more power to you. It's, it's a worthy practice. Hivkaha'ir, um, the city was split. Notice the grammar, the syntax is like a passive. It's not that they split the city. The city was split, which is to bring home the message. This was the work of the Kaddish Baruch Hu. It really had nothing to do with Bavel or Nebuchadnezzar. It was determined that the city was split on that day. Interestingly, there's a conflict again on Tishabav, where the temple was destroyed. Some say it's the first of Av, some say it's the ninth of Av. Some say it should be really observed the tenth, but that is for uh, a future chapter on the exact nature of the destruction. So now, all the offices and the nobility of Bavel come. They set up their chairs, their thrones in the Shar uh, HaTavek. Is the gate of It is the Nicanor gate, or it's the gate between the women's section and the uh, Azara. And so they set up around the temple perimeter in the courtyard. Nigal, and then they name him for us. Nargal, Sharetzeh, Samungal, Nevush Resechen, Rab Saris, Nirgal, Shretzeh, that some names appear twice, Rab Mug, Bechol Sheris, Sharei, Sarei Melech Bavel. They set up thrones around the perimeter, and this takes us back to the first chapter of Yirmiyahu, uh, Peret Aleph, some 40 chapters ago. Pasuk Tesvav, Kihini, he says the Navi, Kihini, Korei Lachomis, Bachosman, Lachos Safona. I am calling all the houses of royalty of Bavel, says Hashem, Ubo, Vinasnu, Ishkisei Pesach Shareyu Shalayim, Balkochomoseha Saviv. Each one will come with his throne, set it up around the perimeter gates of Jerusalem and all around the walls. And this, we see, comes to 100% fruition. Continues the Navi. They flee as soon as they see this. Under the stealth of night, they go out in the city. Through the garden of the king. At the gate between the walls. They go out to the plains. So you see the plains of Yericho, of Jericho. So now if you read Rashi, it's a fascinating medrash, and it is in the, the Gemara as well. Derech Gan HaMelech, the way, what route is he talking about by the way of the garden of the king? Says Rashi, Ma'ara HaSolo, he had a cave that he had constructed, Mibeso Adarvos Yericho, literally into the gates of Yericho. It's a very long distance. 
to build a tunnel. And they went, his and his top advisors, went by way of this cave. What did the Kaddish Baruch to make his Nevius, the prophecy, become realized? Zimeng Tzavi. He got a deer, I'm sorry, yes, a deer. And the deer was on top of the cave, the roof of that cave. Lifneha Kazdim, and the Kazdim, the Babylonians, were pursuing this deer, and it just ran a straight line on top of this tunnel. Mahalech al-Gag ha-ma'ara chutzla'ir. It followed it all the way out of the city. Ratsu achara of Latafsel, they, the Babylonians, went after it catch it, who ruts ad pesach hamara, and he runs the deer, goes till the tunnel ends at the other end, which is right in front of Yericho, v'ro is tzidkiyo yotzei min hara, and at that second, they see tzidkiyo coming out, and that's how they capture him, and don't think for a second that is a coincidence. They pursue him. They catch up to him on the plains of Yericho. We're going to come to that. They come and they bring him to Nebuchadnezzar in Rivlosa. Be'eretz Hamas, in the land of Hamas, Yedaber ito mishwatim. And they speak justice. They perform justice there. What is Rivlasa? Shouldn't he be at the gates of Yerushalayim besieging it? Says the Medrash. And there are a couple of theories on this. Rivlasa is what we later know as the city of Antioch, which is in Turkey. What is he doing in Turkey when the action is outside Yerushalayim? So there are some misfortune, and it's all over the, uh, it runs the gamut. Some say he was terrified of being outside Yerushalayim. He had to be pushed into it because he knows of Sancherev, the mysterious death of 185,000 soldiers without a shot being fired. Two, it could be some say he started there in Yerushalayim, but when he saw this was going to be a long year and a half protracted siege, he withdrew to another part of the empire, Rivlasa. Some say he, of course, they all agree he left the, the um, grunt work, as it were, to Nebuzardan, his top general. And Nebuzardan was so enamored and beholden to Nebuchadnezzar that on his chariot he had a portrait of Nebuchadnezzar that absolutely terrified um, those enemies he was fighting. And so here, too, in that case, it was as if Nebuchadnezzar was in Yerushalayim. Some say he was in Yerushalayim. So you can pick your theory, but at this point he is in Riblasa, which is a long distance away. He speaks with justice to him. What does that mean? Rashi says, Lama Avarta al-Hashrua. He holds him accounted for violating his oath. Two possibilities here. One we know, he took an oath when Nebuchadnezzar planted him as a vassal puppet king, and then he broke it. And we're going to see he takes it out on the Sanhedrin as well, because they let him out of an oath. The other more fanciful one, the Gemara tells us in a very puzzling Agatha 
that Sikio once came in on the Buchadnezar and to depict the absolute barbarity of Nebuchadnezzar. The story is told that Sikio sees Nebuchadnezzar pulling apart a live rabbit and eating it. You don't do that. And so Nebuchadnezzar uh, adjures him to swear that he will never tell anybody what he's seen. Sikio gets that shrua nullified, and so he's holding him accountable for that. One of the two he is going to get him for, maybe both. By Yishchak Melech Bavel he now cruelly, inhumanely, kills all of Sikiyo's son, Burivla, they are all brought to Rivla, Le'enov, in front of Sikiyo. Eskol Yehuda Shachat Melech Bavel. Eskol Yehuda, Rashi says he had Elu Hasanhedrin. He kills the Sanhedrin, Al Shehitirulo Eshruasel, because they allowed Tzikiyo to nullify either the oath to stay loyal or that oath that he would never tell anybody about the live rabbit. If he killed all the, sorry, if he killed all the princes and all the noblemen and the Sanhedrin, then who actually did he force to leave and go back to Bubba? Right? We know that certain people went there, right? There was an exile. Right. It wasn't, it just seemed like he just killed all the leaders who, who was actually exiled. I guess we could get to that. Oh, well, well, we did it, as we say, we did it in stages. The mm-hmm. first stage is the elite of mm-hmm. Bavel. And some say the Sanhedrin. Yeah. Some say the Rabbanim went out in that elite group. The doctors, the lawyers, well, not the lawyers, but the yeah. doctors. And um, the, the whole elite was removed, so you were left with pardon the expression, the riffraff, but we're going to come to so, that. So if, if, uh, if this was in Ribla, and Ribla is in Turkey, Antioch, how is Yirmiyahu reporting it? Is he, where is he? He's in Yerushalayim. He's, we're going to see. Apparently he's transformed there momentarily. And not so fast that he's in Yerushalayim. We're going to cut a very interesting measure. He blinds Sikio now after he witnesses his son's death. Nechushtayim is like leg braces, leg chains. Puts him in Levioso Bavela to now take him Bavela. The Espes HaMelech, and now the house of the king, the Espes HaOm. Espes HaOm is not the temple because the temple has already been the spirit of the Kaddish Baruch who has left it. Based on they mean the synagogues, that they were houses of worship. Sarfu HaKazdim, they don't leave anything or they burn it. Ba'esh Veschomos Yerushalayim Natsatsu, they reduce to rubble the walls of Yerushalayim. Ves Yeser HaOm HaNisharim Ba'ir, and those who are left in the city, those who left or fell in the battle, he takes those that remained in Yerushalayim and exiles to Bavel. But from the weakest, the lowest elements of the native population, they have nothing left. They can barely subsist. He leaves them there, but Eretz Yehuda in Judea. This is puzzling. He gives to them vineyards, and fields to 
that was the only way they were going to survive eating is if he gives them, in other words, it was, became like a welfare state that he gives them to sustain themselves. Some say in Medrash that he also leaves the um, process of making the chilazon, that turquoise dye that is used for tzitzis in those days because no one else could make it, so they kept that there. But the reason he does this, gives them crumen, is he knows they're helpless. One, they're helpless, and two, they're totally beholden to him uh, for bread on the table. And so that group is left there. But, but isn't it, like, historically, you, you want the conquerors work with a group of people that uh, now become loyal to them because they've, they've given them things. Exactly. Right? The welfare state. You know, that, that's what they are. They are there. They, they couldn't eat without the Vuzardan giving them the wherewithal. Now, now it comes to dealing with Yumiyahu, and this is so totally paradoxical. By the way, there are some Midrashim that say Yumiyahu before they recognize him, is taken in chains to Bavel. He gets there, they realize the mistake, he goes back. Some say he stayed there a while, others say he never left. So you can pick along those lines. In any case, an amazing transformation. He gives Nebuzardan instruction. Kachenu ve'enecha simola. Pay attention to him. Take him. Ve'al taslo mo'umara. Don't do a terrible thing, anything bad to him. Ki kasher yidaber elecha kein asei imo. For whatever he wants, whatever he needs, you do to him. Why? Some people say that Nebuchadnezzar becomes aware of how valuable and strategic Yirmiyahu was in getting the people to surrender. Sometimes he didn't, but at least getting the people to go along with it. Some people say that Gidaliyahu ben Achikam, who we're going to meet in a sentence or two, was exiled with that elitist group and told Nebuchadnezzar, how valuable Yumiyahu was to this peaceful exile into Bavel. And so, as a reward, Gedalia, as we're going to see, is made the military governor. He's sent back to Judea, is made the military governor, and of course, meets a tragic end, as we're going to see. But at the same time, Nebuchadnezzar seems to be in awe of no, Yumiyahu. If, if Yumiyahu is the author, this is kind of strange. You know, pasuk, right, or pasukim, because it sounds like someone's describing what's happening to Yirmiyahu, but not Yirmiyahu. Right, right, but it is it could be Yirmiyahu recording what what is what is fact. Also, but why why would he say uh, that uh, this happened to Yirmiyahu? <laughs> why would he say this happened to me, or I went? Moshe talked about himself plenty in the third what, person in the right? Yeah, Moshe does the same thing. Or, in the whole talk, yeah. yeah. In other words, Moshe refers to him in the third person. Okay. So, in a lot of places here, they talk to him in the first person, though. Yeah, but it could be one of, an interesting theory is um, Reb Breuer in his parish says that this is put here, maybe Yirmiyot would put it here, to show the contrast 
as to how the Babylonians treat Yermio and how his fellow Jews treated him for 40 years. They're putting him in prison, trying to kill him. He's treated like a royal personage. They say when he, if he did go to Bavel, he was a celebrity. He was a rock star, Lahabdo, Yermio, because they had tremendous respect for him. That's where we left him in that prison yard. They turn him over to Gedalia, now the newly appointed military governor of Judea. To take him to his house. He is going to be a royal guest of the military governor, and he dwells among the people. And now Yemiyo is visited by the Kaddish Baruch Hu as he is in this, and we know it's a minimum security jail, the Matara now, and Yemiyo is really free to come and go as he pleases, he chooses to stay there. Go to Eved Melech. You remember him from yesterday, Hakushi. He was the person who goes to Tzikiyo and says, do you know what they're doing to Yermio? You've got to save him. They're going to kill him. Uh, and saves literally Yermio's life. And as Mora tells us, he's one of the 10 people in Jewish history who gets immediate Ganeiden for what he did. But now Yermio is going to pay back um, yes, destruction is coming to this city for evil, not for good. You will see it in your day. But on that day, I will save you, Nehum Hashem. Says the Kaddish Baruch Hu, the low Tina saying, "Biyad Hanashim Asher Atoyogur Mipneim." You will not be given over to them as a prison. Himalait Amitecha, I will save you from them. Uvacherev Lo Tipol, you will not fall before the sword. Vaisolacha Nafshechol Ashol, your life will be like a restored treasure. Kibatachti Banu Hashem, you will not go into exile. You will not leave the land. You will live a long and prosperous life. And in Yitz Hashem, we will see how this develops 8.45 a.m. tomorrow, Adkan.